I want to talk about analytics, fourth and Staley, the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, and how analytics in general is changing the way the NFL is played. Again, why are we going for it on fourth and short, not kicking a field goal? Because, guys, there are times when it's better to go for it on fourth and short than to actually kick a field goal. And I want to walk you through a couple scenarios. So, guys, let's get into it. Bull Bros! Okay, folks, as always, like and subscribe if you do enjoy the content. I'm Andrew Bullbrose. So, again, uh, one thing I want to discuss here specifically is Brandon Saley and Kellen Moore. So, to be very clear here, folks, they have made a decision to go with the analytics, right? They care about the analytics. I know in poker, or sorry, not poker, blackjack, like you get a 16, I think it's a 16 or a 17. I'm not much of a gambler, but it always says hit, always says hit, just hit, just hit. Just hit. That's what the book tells you. I'm going to walk through. That's exactly what Kellen Moore and Brandon say have already figured out. Okay. They've completely figured that out. So my brother, Kyle, also brought up a really interesting point to me today, and I hadn't thought of it this way. Brandon Staley is an extremely aggressive coach. He cares about the analytics. We talked about that a lot last year. They haven't talked about it a whole lot this year, but we do know that he's using it 100%. I'm going to break down a couple of scenarios on this. The thing that's interesting is Anthony Lynn was our head coach prior to Brandon Staley. Anthony Lynn was arguably one of the most conservative head coaches. Okay. And we went to now most probably the most aggressive head coach in the NFL. Well, why is that? Okay. And so that's really a big reason why I want to break this down. Now, the other thing I'll say before I move to the next slide, Peter King talked quite a bit about this. Well, they talked about this quite a bit with Peter King in the preseason. And what they basically broke down was the fact that all these decisions are already made. They say, great, it's fourth and short, you know, 29 or 30 seconds left on the clock. I'm going to go for it. Right. Or whatever. Right. So they make this, they've already made decisions on what that is and what they're going to do. Now, the only decision they have to do at that moment is what play are they going to run? Right. So this play right here has become kind of annoying for the NFL. The brotherly shove by the stupid Eagles, right? I mean, I don't want to say stupid. They're actually a great team. We know that. But they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And again, you're going to get a yard off of this every time. Every time. Hurts is one of the strongest guys in the NFL. They have a great offensive line. You don't lose this play. You just don't. And they know how to do it. And in my opinion, it should be completely legal. Guys, what do you think? Should this be an illegal play? I think it should be. It's a complete cheat code. The last game I watched last week of the Eagles, they ran this play, I swear to God, like five times. And they even ran on fourth and two and almost got it at the end of the game. Absolutely crazy to me. So they're another team. Nick Sirianni is actually running a lot of the analytics as well, too. That's why you see a lot of the younger coaches come up and run a lot of analytics. Again, it gives you information in real time. Now, one other thing I will say before I move on to the offensive side of the ball, which is, of course, what we're talking about right here. These guys right here, they all have little chips in their pads, um, and it's monitoring their speed, what they're doing. I don't know if you saw, uh, I think it was, I think uh, Miami, they talked about Miami's speed and how like uh, Tyreek Hill and Devin A-Chain, all these other guys, they, they're 20 miles an hour. They're running down the, the field super quick, right? So they're tracking them in real time through the entire game. All that data is being processed. And okay, this guy's doing well. This guy's blocking well. This this guy's not blocking great. Let's exploit this guy on this side. Trust me, all of that is happening in real time with this data. So it does change over the course of the game. And that's why when we talk about adjustments, sometimes adjustments is just off the data and the analytics as well too. So I'll talk more about that as well. But again, this is a conversion probability chart. It's a little ugly. I apologize, guys. But it just gives you a sense of where you're at, right? So if it's fourth and inches, or under half a yard, 77% chance of, of converting. 
Fourth and one, 72% chance. Fourth and two, 59% chance. So a team looks at this and goes, hey, that's pretty good odds. I'll take that all day, right? I mean, I'll take that all day. That's a that's a great percentage. So, again, the brotherly shove, all that stuff, it works very well. I, I, actually, I think I read a statistic that the, the brotherly shove is like 90% conversion rate right now. It's just absolutely bonkers. But, you know, that team practices it, and they're doing a great job, and it should be illegal. You know, we'll see. So let's let's talk about who goes for it and how to kick. I'm, I'm going to make up a scenario. By the way, the scenario in this is a very old scenario. It's actually in 2020. It's with the Colts versus the Titans. I'll talk a little bit more about that as well. But how often do teams go for it when the numbers say they should? Notice, guys, it's moving up, right? And this is in 2020. This article is actually done uh, in 2022, I believe. But they use an example in 2020. The thing is, it's not just about a win probability. They care about, okay, should we go for it? Well, there are also times when you kick the ball and you actually get a less probability of winning because you're leaving extra time on the clock for the other team. Again, guys, everyone talks about this. So there's really two ways to look in this very old school way and a very analytics way. The analytics way says go for it, even if you kick a ball. I'm going to show you the example here in a second with the Colts and also the Texans. But think of it this way. So, so no, notice it's moving up. I saw a statistic. I saw a couple different statistics, and I wanted to, I wanted to discuss 2023. 2023 is around 60% now. So it's it's moving up exponentially every year. I might do another video on this as well. If you do like it, let me know. I may do a video a little later on this year and kind of talk more about the analytics piece. But again, fourth down situations, when win probably advantage is plus two, field goal punt. So basically you have a choice. Do you go for it or do you kick it? And you basically just say, whichever the analytics says is a higher probability. All right, if we kick the field goal, 50% chance. And we have a plus 10% to win the game if we kick a field goal, then you kick the field goal. If no, no, you get a better probability to go for it and you have a 70, 80% chance of making that first down, let's go for it, right? So that's why a lot of people are so ticked off at Brandon Staley. Remember those fourth and shorts? That was like a foot, guys. It was like nothing. Six foot six, 240 pound quarterback should be able to do a brotherly shove and get that first down. So, so you could see why the analytics are making the decisions easy for these coaches, right? Again, like it or not, that's what they're saying to do. So here's the example right here. So basically in this situation, again, this is an older game, 2020 Texans. Again, there, I, there's a bajillion examples. Hell, we can go back to the charters examples from this season. Uh, and by the way, just so you know, analytics wise, those were all the correct choices for him to go for it on fourth down. I know all of us are going to be pissed off and say Brandon Staley shouldn't have gone for it. That's stupid. But the analytics all said go for it. Like it or not, but Brandon Staley is going to deal with the stats the way that they say. However, the advantage goes, he's going to go for it. So this is an example of going for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal is better. 69% win probability. Again, you're going to sit back all day and say, well, that's stupid. Why not kick a field goal? Let's break it down. So fourth quarter, three minutes and 21 seconds remaining. They were tied 22 to 20. 22 to 20. Sorry, 20 to 20. Um, It's on the Houston 36, so they're in field goal range for sure. It's about a 54-yard field goal. There we go. Colts have a 62 chance of winning the game going forward on fourth down. 62% chance. And again, it's tied, right? So... It's different if you are up a few points. And again, that's part of why they went for it the way they did because they were up by four points. No matter what, they still had to score a touchdown. Again, the Chargers um, and also the Colts are utilizing this. And this this was you know Frank Wright back in 2020. Options, go for it. 81% chance of making the first down is what they were given from the next-gen stats. 
And 75%, if they convert, you will win 75% if you convert, right? If they fail, it drops to 45%. So there is a risk. We know that, right? But again, 81% chance of a first down. That's pretty damn good, guys. And so, again, the optimal call was to go for it, right? And you, you would think the opposite, right? But again, you have to remember, you're only taking three points. They can still tie the game. Or they could score a touchdown and win the game with time left, right? So, it again... There's a lot to be said about all of this, right? You want to chew the clock down. So again, field goal chance is only 42%, blah, blah, blah. If they make the field goal, it's a 71% chance. So you're playing the odds. I like 81% better than 42%. I don't know about you, but I do. And that's the way Brandon Staley looks at it, guys. That's that's it. That's it. There's no argument around that. He's looking at it that way and that way only. So like it or not, this is the scenario that they've already worked through, had conversations around. It's already figured out. It's already figured out. The only thing they have to decide is what play to run in that situation. That's it. So interesting discussion. So Brandon Staley, let's talk about the defense a little more as well, because I do, I do think the defense does make a lot of sense to talk about and really just sort of walk through. And bottom line, Brandon Staley, we all know, is you know a bit of a, a renegade, right? He is definitely one of those guys that gets beat up on all of this. So let me let me just tell you something really quickly. All this data that's coming back, there's information going back to the defense as well. So one, they talk about blocker and rusher identification. Okay, interesting statistic. There's three that I'll talk about right now, and a few more later on. Using no joke, graphic uh, neural network model or a GNN. OK, we can accurately discern which players are blocking versus running a route. OK, let me say that again. We can accurately discern which players are blocking or running a route. Do you know how important that information is for the defense? So then they could know, OK, this person's not going to block. He's going to run the route. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey is a great example. He's in there. All right. 80 percent of the time, Kelsey's going to run a route. So just know that just treat him like a wide receiver. Don't worry about him blocking. Right. So that's a huge bit of information for the defense. So then you can adjust to that thought. Uh, and which defenders are pursuing the quarterback versus dropping in coverage in real time. So you can talk also about the defense, right? Okay, who's actually going to be rushing? Who's not going to be? You know, if you notice, a lot of teams aren't showing pass rush anymore. They're just lining up and just going. And largely because I think a lot of these teams already know who's going to be dropping and who's going to be rushing forward, right? So it gets a little confusing at times. Pressure probability. This model gauges in tenths of a second the likelihood of each defender creating a pressure, okay? So, all right, is Kalim going to create a pressure on this third and short? We'll see, or third and long. The definition of which you can find below. We're going to talk more about, um, about that, you know, the pressure definition because it has kind of adjusted a little bit now. The, out, the output of the random uh, forest model offers multitude of measures to assess which pass rushers' performance in every play. So it does actually assess their actual play. So you talk about PFF scores, all these different scores, they're all being computed as well in real time with every play. Every single snap is recorded. Guys, every snap is recorded on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. It's fascinating. In addition to team composite pressure, probably about two, two separate models were created to quantify pressure for each interval pass rusher. So every single person that is rushing the passer gets quantified. Guys, it's fascinating, right? So you say, okay, well, Khalil, you're you're looking really good right now. You're doing great. You're going to be our primary pass rusher. We're going to try and open a play for you. So that's when you would maybe double team the right and left guard or right and left tackle and then 
double team him and then let uh, you know Khalil Mack do like a stunt up the middle or on the edge. Yada yada. There's a lot of different ways you could open up some pressure. So, so those are the things that are creating and changing the way that we are actually pressuring the quarterback. If you notice, the Chargers specifically have done a, a very good job of that this year. I think we're leading the league almost in tack or uh, sacks at the moment, and definitely in pressures. I think I think against the Raiders, Mack had 22 pressures, something of that nature. But you can also help with blocking matchups. Um, the final ident- the model identifies who blocked who on any given pass. The model also tracks matchups, helping us attribute pressures and sacks to an individual and blocker. So, okay, well, the right tackle didn't do a good job. He gave up a pressure. Um, and spotlighting blocking strategies to double team and chip blocks, right? So, okay, hey, the right tackle's not doing great. We need, to, we need to put a tight end out there to chip. So, again, the offense can also adjust the data that they're seeing. So this is why it's fascinating, right? The game is consistently moving as it progresses. And it, 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 Brandon said, it always says it, it. It takes a life of its own. So there's a lot to discuss on that. Um, and again, it's, it's you know, guys like Kenneth Murray is actually kicking ass, right? He's doing a great job of adding pressure, right? So there's a lot of different things to discuss on that. So now what's the definition of a pressure? A pressure is defined as a pass or rush play where the rusher affects the quarterback before the pass is thrown. Okay. Quarterbacks in the pocket, you get in his face, a pass rush becomes a pressure when the pressure probability exceeds 75%. This includes a quarterback hit a hurry, which a lot of people aren't really talking about. They call pressures now for the most part and other plays where the pass rusher becomes into close proximity within the quarterback or with the quarterback. It will also include plays where the pass rusher has a free path to the quarterback or is winning the matchup with the blocker, right? So if you beat the matchup on your right tackle or whatever, you're considered given a pressure. Again, Mack had like 22 pressures against the Raiders. Pretty crazy. Then you can go into pressure rates, time to pressure, quick pressures, pressure time, pressure probability. Bro, I'm telling you, it is crazy how deep and wide this gets. This is a huge-ass rabbit hole that can just – guys, it's crazy, right? So, But, again, this is why you're seeing things like Tui or Tuli here you know, double team some guy and then Joey Bosa could come around the middle or on the edge and get pressure. Same with Khalil Mack. He did a lot with that with Khalil Mack as well, too, against the Raiders. You're seeing a lot of crazy movements up and down the line. If you've noticed, a lot of our players on our team are rotated in and out on the defensive line a ton this year. And thank God we haven't had a lot of injuries, guys. We've had we've had like zero injuries on the defensive line. Well, I shouldn't say that. Joey Bosa there has definitely been injured. But again, you know, Morgan Fox, Special Joseph Day, we've actually been very, very healthy. But again, it's one of the things that you sit back and think, okay, how is this going to change and why is this you know, happening this way? But again, they're taking the data of what makes sense. The right tackle is not doing great. Okay, let's chip him or let's double team this guy and the right guard. That should open up a free lane for Joey Bosa to put a pressure on the quarterback. And guys, we're rushing four rushers in most plays right now. We're running extremely light boxes. And so if you can get pressure with four rushers to the quarterback in under three seconds, which is what I'm going to show you guys right now. Oh, oh, this is our defensive play. This is, of course, cover two. This is why we run cover two for the most part, right? Again, taking the lid off the top, we are just focusing on stopping the explosive plays. Now, again, we've been pretty poor on the explosive plays this year, just so you know. But, again, you understand the point. Only rushing four and dropping everyone else into coverage gives you a numbers advantage to the explosive plays. 
where I think we had some problems was general communication. Some of these guys were not covering people or man coverage. We all know JC Jackson was just a shit show. Wasn't great. But again, if you're noticing, we're doing a good job with just two edge defenders and two just defensive linemen finding plenty of pressure on the quarterback. And again, in the NFL, if you can do that, put pressure on a, you know, a quarterback, you're going to win most of the time. So here's my last slide, and then I'll wrap up. This is the anatomy of a pressure, right? So, Ben, again, here's your snap. One second, two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. I'm going to say something very quickly because I, I, I watched a Raiders fan rant on about AOC against the Chargers where he was so pissed off. Why is he holding the ball for six seconds? I'm going to tell you something right now, dude, and I was going to put this in the in the the chat. There is no play in the NFL that has a quarterback holding the ball for six seconds. Okay, That is 100% that quarterback not throwing the ball. You've heard the term coverage sacks. That just means the defensive backs are all over the wide receivers. Nobody's open. They're not going to throw the ball to get an interception. That's a coverage sack. But at the end of the day, the good quarterbacks in the NFL get the ball out within two, two to two and a half seconds. Tua is around two and a half seconds. Justin Herbert's around two and a half seconds. Um, another one, Tom Brady, was around two seconds. So he got the ball out very quickly. That was the whole point. Do not hold the ball because guess what? You're going to get sacked. So the whole point is right around two seconds is when you need to get the ball out. Quick pressures, sub two and a half. Around two and a half seconds, the, the probability moves up every single time. You're going to be you're going to be out of pressure. If you're anywhere under three seconds, you are in the pressure zone. So again, the whole point is to get the ball out fast on the offensive side of the ball. The whole point of the defensive side of the ball is get to the quarterback as soon as possible. It's fascinating. And all these things are being computed at any given moment of any given second of every given play. It's it's incredible, right? Okay, the right side's not doing great. Let's let's pressure them more on the right side. The left side's doing great. Let's leave them alone. But they'll probably run the ball on that left side, but let's let's leave a linebacker over there for run support safety, right? Guys, I'm telling you, all of this is broken down at any given moment. And again, it's still stats, right? It's not actual live information. Well, it is live information. But again, these are still people that can execute or not execute correctly, right? So there's a lot to be said about that as well, too. Guys, a bit of a longer video. I know our videos, we typically like to be a little shorter. But at the end of the day, I thought this was a very interesting topic that I wanted to throw out to you guys. What do you guys think? Is this is this a, a topic worthy of discussing further? If not... We don't have to discuss it. Uh, but again, I, I think it's very fascinating the way the NFL is changing because of it. And, and guys, quite frankly, Brandon Staley is the one spearheading that conversation. There's a lot of legacy head coaches right now that still just run normal plays, don't have analytics that they're really looking at a whole lot. And, you know, they are and they aren't. But at the end of the day, they go with their gut quite a bit. Brandon Staley is not that guy. He's 100% analytics driven and he's going to go with whatever the analytics say. So, like it or not, that's Brandon Staley, folks. That is Brandon Staley. <sighs> okay, guys. Andrew Bolt Bros. See you all in the next one.